Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and did not earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of that, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no opportunities, just sheer hard work, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives, Goldman Sachs, the Financial Times, Forbes Technology Council, World Economic Forum, Harvard University, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. Everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Sarwesh Shar. Sarwesh is the co-founder of NoCodeLytics, providing simple analytics for Webflow to help you understand users and grow. Sarwesh, how are you today? Hey, Abdulaziz. It's great to be here. Thanks. How are you? I'm feeling optimistic, lucky, grateful, and ready to begin <laughs> this conversation. So I want to know more about you. So I'll ask you this question. These days, whether in your life or in your business, what seems to be something that you're thinking about a lot? Maybe it's an insight that you had, a problem you're trying to solve, or anything that you keep on thinking about again and again and again. Well, that's a great question, and it's quite quite profound. Um, I would say something that, that comes to my mind quite a lot is... Um, how to leave an impact and how to leave a strong legacy. So um, doing things that are good for as many people as possible. Uh, and that obviously comes through building a business as well as, you know, other charitable endeavors. Um, so, so really that's, that's something that I'm always thinking about. It's to help as many people as possible, ideally through, through um, a business. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do now um, in the software world. Thank you, and I have so many questions. But I'll begin with this one. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, something like leaving an impact, which is usually self-transcendence, is supposed to be a need that arises after you cover all your basic and even medium-level needs. Do you agree with that? Do you feel you're at a place in life where you have done that and you're ready to self-transcend? Or do you have other reasons like the way you were raised up or any other things that make you desire impact and legacy at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I think I would say that um, it's partly down to my um, upbringing. So a lot of people don't actually know this, but I, I was raised in a very like, poor village um, in a poor part of. Pakistan um so you know growing up the poverty was was everywhere um but on top of that you were also taught to to think of others and help others 
um, and like try to do good things for other people. And so that's something that's been instilled in me from from a young age. And then growing up, I I was always encouraged by my parents to, um, you know, do do good deeds um, and also like think of some kind of large ambition, uh, whether that's through a career or whether that's through something personal, um, and just try to try to go as ambitious as possible. Um, so it's definitely been part of through how I was raised, um, and I think that's that's obviously one one important thing but it's it's also essential to have your basic needs catered for before you can do something like that um, and that's what I believe a lot of entrepreneurs try to try to manage right it's it's how do you um, manage the risk involved in say starting a new business or going all in on something and um, if you, you know you, if you're perhaps working still working full-time or you're trying to save up as much as you can, um, or you're looking after a family. And so um, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable enough there. Uh, and that's why over the last few years, after discovering the kind of the indie hacker scene, I've been very interested and tried multiple things and launched a couple of different products so far that um, some that haven't been that successful, some that have been a little bit successful. And, you know, where I am now with NoCodelytics, um, it's it's obviously the most successful so far, and uh, as, as I've got a co-founder and we've got some a little bit of traction, and um, yeah, we're, we're excited for the future. Thank you. And again, I have so many questions, so I'll ask, why business? Because it seems nowadays, no matter how much we advance, a lot of people have hang-ups about business, about money. They view business people in a light that is not so flattering. They think that the only way a business makes money is by tricking people or taking advantage of somebody else, etc. So did you grow up with such beliefs and overcome them? Or if not, why do you view business as a powerful force for good in this world? Yeah, that's another good question. So um, I guess I, ha- I hadn't always considered this you know it's not like um some 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 like founders who've had parents who you know launched businesses and they watched them do that successfully and that instilled in them the the idea to do themselves um it was it was more a case of um like the the way i used to think was you know it's it's to the, the best thing to do is just to to help others and think of others and the first thing that came to my mind was doing help through like volunteering work or Char- like ch- like charity and that's something that I actually spent quite a bit of my time in my early early years um like focusing on um so I was involved in a few volunteering projects um for example one of them was to help uh, underprivileged communities um by teaching kids how to code and um, giving them the skills that uh, they otherwise might not be able to have and um I feel like there's you know there's really useful things like that that I appreciate and I'm glad I did um, but then other than that it's like like how like how do you help as many people as you can at scale and that often requires like a couple of things right you either need money or you need like people like labor um, and the you know the the only way to get the former like money is to either get loads of funding or grow a business and um, earn like get into some kind of huge exit and um you can use that to you know, fund whatever whatever you like 
And then the other side of it is if you're looking to to get as many people together as you can, that's kind of where you enter the realm of like politics. Um, and it gets a little bit more uh, like a little bit more difficult to do anything in the short term, or at least in the next like in the sort of two three year time frame that I'm thinking of. Um, so so I, I was so all that's really to say is like that all that left me with the option of like okay the the best thing to do is, is start a business and like emulate the kind of path that uh, the likes of you know Bill Gates have gone on where they've launched a business and had a lot of success with it and then they use that to help millions of people um like you know fight disease or um come out of poverty so um so yeah i think it's 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 evolved definitely over time um i i i do understand some people who think that you know businesses can be evil there are some businesses that maybe lean towards uh, being quite evil but for the most part especially in the in the community um i found only people with you know really good uh, motivations and um, like principles and just good causes that they're that they're kind of working for um so yeah i would i would say like it's not something that has always been there but it's it's like business is one of the most effective ways you can do good um in a short time frame and have as much control as you can whilst you do it without um diluting like your your efforts through in you know fun like giving money to charity or other ways thank you and i would like to know more about your beliefs about money especially that you grew up in a very impoverished village in pakistan because a lot of business people who want to do good really don't feel comfortable asking for money so they tend to give away too much for free, never feel comfortable asking for value in return for their hard work. And therefore, it becomes a big reason for the failure of their startup. So what belief do you have about money that would allow you to ask for it confidently, to expect value in exchange for value and to not see it as something that makes the good deeds dirty? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, this is a this is definitely a common problem with um, like first-time founders and uh, even like second-time founders. It's it's hard because you you know you're used to not. I think if, unless you build a business before, you're not really used to asking people for money, and um, it's almost like uh, in society it's kind of rude to ask people for for money. But you quickly learn in business when you're providing someone something of value, um, you know, especially if it's other businesses, then they're very understanding and they're happy to pay you. Um, and sometimes people will ask you to, you know, to like raise your prices or charge more, which we've we've had um, in a couple of instances where we, you know, we were early stage and we were just providing our product for free. And then we'd have um, a few users in our beta would say like, this is, this is so good, it's so useful. Um, like, how do I pay you essentially? Um, so I think as long as you're, as long as long as you're you you just accept that you won't get very far unless you do ask for people for money and also appreciate that people are okay with that as long as you're providing them something of value then it's totally okay um of course if there's if 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 it's something that is uh, like uh, malicious or spammy or you're not really providing people value um you're just taking their money and you're not either doubling it or tripling it when you give it back then 
that's not great. But um, but yeah, and, and it's it's like a, it's a psychological thing, and then it's kind of like once you've done it, once you've you know sold somebody once or twice, then you quickly get used to it. Thank you. Then how did the idea for no code latics come to be? And you mentioned that it has traction. How did you realize that? What did you observe? What was the story or the situation or the moment where you found out, wow, this is working better than more expected or than other things I've done? Let's double up on that. So um, there's a couple of things there, really, actually. So I'll, I'll kind of start back with how the idea came about. So I was actually... So just to kind of briefly give an overview, so NoCodeLytics is a analytics tool for Webflow sites specifically, and it integrates with Webflow CMS um, and other third-party tools that people commonly use with Webflow like MemberStack or JetBoost, uh, and it provides analytics for those tools as well. Um, so the idea came about sort of a, just over a, a couple of years ago when I was working on a Webflow project, and I was it was becoming more and more like um, feature rich. And I was curious to know like how people are actually using those features instead of are they simply landing on the page and, you know, um, maybe subscribing to the newsletter. So I, I looked around and I found a few options that were more targeted towards like SaaS companies or, um, you know, web apps. And there, there was like one tool which, did sort of the things that I was looking for, but it didn't integrate with any of Webflow's um, third-party tools, which which I needed. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like where the idea came about. And I spoke to a few people who use Webflow and they were interested in the idea, um, eventually signed them up to a waiting list. And more and more people started signing up to the waiting list. And over, the, like, over a few weeks, um, I slowly like got the feedback on the first version and then launched it. And there was more interest in, in the sense that it was easier to convince people to sign up and use it. Um, and when talking to people about it, it was very much clear like they had the same problem that I had in terms of tracking in Webflow and also um, the other tools. And so, um, so yeah, it's like that's kind of where the, the idea spawned and also how it was clear that there was uh, there was a real real interest in it, and since then we've you know, we've um, we've grown the, the platform and then relaunched it earlier this year, um, and we've just seen like sign up numbers are, are going up every month, and you know it's 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 growing quite quickly, uh, and um, yeah, it's it's like it's one of those things where. You can see it in the numbers essentially, and so like the the number of people signing up every month, and then the number of the number of people who I say converting at each stage, compared compared to you know my my understanding of general SaaS conversion rates as well as landing page conversion rates, it's it's just higher than those. So it, it shows me that there's strong need as well as strong traction, and we've got, we've got a little bit of revenue so far, um, so that helps. Thank you. That's really interesting. And you mentioned that you're part of the indie founders community. As someone who is typically looked at as maybe a minority or an ethnic minority kind of founder, do you find it more difficult or super accepting 
to be part of an indie community? Do you feel there are people who are getting more advantages than you do? Or it's to each his own based on their hard work and their idea? Mm, I, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I haven't really felt any kind of friction in getting my idea out there. Um, I've been lucky enough that since I started sharing the idea with people, they were, they were, you know, receptive to it and welcoming and happy to like jump on a call. Uh, most of the time people were happy to hear from me and, and, you know, not mad or anything. And then also the, the communities that I, that I have been part of, like indie hackers and, um, weekend club, indie London, those, those are like the three main communities I, I would say I, I use the most in terms of um, as or indie hackers, and those they're they're like really they're quite like diverse, but also everyone just gets it. Like you're here to to build a business, you're here to build something great, and what really matters is the product and your the problems you're facing, as well as what lessons you can share. And I, I found that that's that's usually enough to get people interested in talking to you and um and that i think that's that's probably better than maybe like some of the larger like larger older industries um in terms of getting interest from people that work there uh, but yeah i haven't i haven't really experienced any issues and um, so far it's been okay thank you and since you're actively growing uh no code lytics how much networking do you do? You mentioned you're getting people on calls, especially that a lot of indie founders, they say, look, I'm overwhelmed. I'm already focusing on my product. I'm not sure I have product market fit. I'm expected to do 50 hours of work every 24 hours. So I don't have time to be getting to know people to do that shaking hands and getting to know others. Do you feel that's a mistake that networking should be a priority for everybody do you do it do you want to do more of it or do you believe no in this world just focus on your idea and your product and let the ships fall where they may and focus just on prospect and client interviews more than general networking yeah that's so that's interesting so i haven't done as much of that lately as i used to but in the early stages, the the way the product worked was, you had to like pay um, to sign up, and like you, there was no free trial or anything. So I would I would end up doing a lot of like outreach to people to see if they'd be interested in the demo, and out of that, like, usually would be a pretty much like a sales call, like you said. But also, a, like a lot of it would just be general like, chatter about what the other person does because it would be the first time I, I, I would have got them on a call. So it was a good way to like, learn about, like, you know, different members in the like, no code and Webflow community and also understand the, their experiences and their journeys. And I think if you, if you are doing, if you're like doing networking or you're doing sales calls, you can kind of treat them as the same. Um, and, you know, obviously there's, there's certain, in some cases where you purely want to focus on sales and, um, where you like where you just want to go through a list or something but if you're starting out and you're curious about the the market or you're trying to gauge interest then um networking is a, is a really good way to go because 
you know, people are a bit more receptive to just chatting to somebody and just meeting other members of the community. And then you can always mention your product at the end and just say like, hey, this is something I'm working on. What do you think of it? Um, so I, I think that's, yeah, that's definitely a great way to, to get yourself, um, I guess, well-versed in a new community. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would, I don't know if it would hold you back if you don't network, uh, but you, you, you definitely can't just build a product and expect people to come through knocking on your door and like signing up for it, unless perhaps you have a huge audience or you're, you know, you're, you're building it for an existing audience somehow. Um, but yeah, it, like if you're, if you're building something, it's crucial to either speak to people and get feedback on it or do some sales and marketing. Thank you. And what is your perspective on the no code community? Some people say it's a fad. There are many people who are trying to make quick money with it to start a side hustle. And whenever something new that is exciting and hyped will come, they will jump the wagon and only the real no coders will stay, but it will be much smaller. Do you, do you view it like that? Or do you view this as something that will become part of the technological literacy in this world? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I may have a bit of bias because I'm you know, literally building a business that's part of the no-code community. I would say it's, I don't think it's a fad um, because it's, it's been a few years now since no-code like, really went mainstream. And it's not going away anywhere. It's, if anything, there are more businesses that are, or, or it's like there's more, there are more tools being launched on top of existing no-code tools, like um, like you have obviously Webflow, who are um, who, for which there are a lot of third-party integrations and tools being built on top of. And then you also have like Stripe, who are getting into the space and encouraging more people to to build apps. Um, which you can then integrate with Zapier or Make. And, um, you know, there's obviously Bubble and a whole host of other other apps that are, that are there and they're not going away anywhere. I think it's, 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 it's encouraging because it means that um, this, this is actually a genuinely useful and valuable thing. And it's helping a lot of people who perhaps don't know how to code to, do things that they might not have been able to easily. Like, it, I'll just give myself as an, as an example. So the, the reason I um, essentially discovered or came up with the idea for Nucleolytics was because I launched a project um, that was built in Webflow, a Noco tool, that I otherwise would not have launched because I didn't know how to code at the time. So it, it it's, it's, it's a relatively simple product, but essentially it was a... It was like indie hackers back in the day when they just did interviews, but for the space industry. And the like, the idea I had at the time when I thought of it was to just build it using code because that's what indie hackers was, was built with. Um, I think it was Ember or something. I can't remember exactly. But uh, but it, I just kept putting the idea back, like just just putting it out of, the, out of my mind because I figured, you know, it's going to take me several months to learn how to code and then I'll be able to do it. And then... One day I discovered that Webflow has a CMS and there were like several examples of websites that looked exactly like the one I wanted to build just for, you know, 
different sectors or different industries. And I was like, wow, this is perfect. I can use this. I can get a template or build it myself and I can use this and it will, it will be done in like two weeks. And that was the case. Um, so I actually managed to go from an idea to, to working on it, to releasing it to the world because I discovered a no-code tool that would help me do it. So I think there is really value there. And I think it, it'll get more and more useful as different tools integrate with, with each other and they get more powerful. Like Webflow is launching memberships and like logic and that'll enable even more cool stuff, cool kinds of apps that people can build. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. I don't think it's bad. Um, I think it's here to stay. And uh, if, if anyone wants to take advantage of that and, you know, build something and, you know, even if it's for short term, that's cool. That's that's kind of that's what it's all that's what it's all about, right? Like you, you're welcome to do that, um, as long as it's adding value and helping people. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. So yeah, I'm definitely optimistic about no code. Thank you so much. And I know you mentioned a little bit no code lytics. For any listener who's curious, can you explain exactly what is it? What are the benefits? How can people use it to get better ROI or improve their web flow productivity or results or anything like that, as well as the website or social media that they should go to to learn more. And I'll make sure to write some in the episode description. Yeah, of course. So um, NoCodeLytics helps Webflow users and agencies, designers easily track like what people are doing on their Webflow sites. So things like, you know, clicks or forms, like signing up to a newsletter or downloading a PDF or um, completing a like contact us form. It does all of that automatically. Um, all you do is you sign up, you integrate a like, tracking script and then it, it's all done. It's all there um, and it allows you to build a really simple to understand dashboard that shows useful insights about how users are actually using the site. Um, I know, as, as I was saying earlier, it, it also integrates with JetBoost, so people can see like what the most popular filters are, as well as like the Webflow CMS itself, so you can understand which content people are engaging with. And um, the way I would say this this is actually beneficial to to people who build with Webflow is that you can actually kind of understand what users are coming to your website for, um, what content they're engaging with, and that can help you generate ideas for new content that'll increase engagement and get users coming back more. Um, and over time, it'll it's it'll help you increase your traffic um, because you just, by building a site that's that's more relevant to what users are interested in and what they're engaging with, then you're likely to retain those users better and um, just uh, improve your overall numbers um, and boost your growth. So yeah, you can check out the, the product on nocodelytics.com and it's totally free to sign up um, but yeah you feel free to check it out and our twitter is also at nocodelytics thank you sarwesh this was really interesting i enjoyed our conversation and i wish you to keep going following your indie founder dreams because it's a wonderful journey thank you abdulaziz real pleasure and honor to be on here appreciate you having me